Hi, WorkWell listeners. I'm really excited to share that my book, Work Better Together, is officially out. Conversations with WorkWell guests and feedback from listeners like you inspired this book. It's all about how to create a more human-centered workplace. And as we return to the office for many of us, this book can help you move forward into post-pandemic life with strategies and tools to strengthen your relationships and focus on your well-being. It's available now from your favorite book retailer. There was a time in my life when my career ambition was my North Star. I was always setting my sights on that next job or promotion, and I would work nonstop until I got there. And then one day, I completely burned out. The problem wasn't that I was ambitious. The problem was that my definition of success was not aligned with what I really valued. It was only when I stepped back and reflected on what was really important to me that I was able to channel my ambition into the things that were truly meaningful in my work and my life. This is the WorkWell podcast series. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things well-being. I'm here with Milena Regos. She's a rebel entrepreneur, ex-marketer, and certified human potential coach. She's the founder of Unhustle, a community of global leaders, entrepreneurs, and business owners on a mission to end the cult of overwork and embrace our humanity for a better future. Milena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm so excited to be here with you. We're happy to have you on the show. So let's get started. Tell us your story. Why and how did you start the Unhustle movement? Thank you so much. I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) I'm a first-generation immigrant from Bulgaria. I came to the U.S. in uh, 96, and uh, I came to to build a better life for myself. I uh, did a master's degree in international marketing in San Diego, and I went down this marketing career path, which um, 20 years into it, I did anything from working for a media agency or in the early ages of online marketing. So back in 96, 97, I saw the whole dot-com and then I worked as a marketing director for a ski resort for 10 years, which was a fun job, getting <laughs> paid to ski and <laughs> promoting skiing to people. And then I started uh, my own digital marketing agency. You know, social media was really picking up and I, I just have this entrepreneurial spirit in me and I decided to, to go all in and finally start my own digital marketing agency three years into it. I hadn't taken a vacation. I was building a team. I was working with celebrities. And I realized I was really, um, I don't know if I was burned out or languishing like Adam Grant would put it, but I was just, I wasn't happy. Um, I was very successful on the outside. You know, I wasn't making millions, but I I had a a comfortable lifestyle, a house in Lake Tahoe, um, a dog, a husband. But I was... (laughs) The dog being the most important, right? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I was lacking meaning I was lacking being present with my husband my health was suffering I had digestive issues I was pretty stressed out and we decided to uh, take a a 10-day digital detox trip it turned into a digital detox trip it wasn't at first there's just no internet in the little Mexican village we went to so (laughs) (laughs) it turned into a digital detox uh, and we decided to learn to kiteboard and in that experience 
going past the fear of kiteboarding and all of a sudden realizing I'm all alone in the ocean, being able to kind of get present with myself, being in my body, I realized, you know, what am I doing? Like, why am I spending 100% of my energy and time and everything on work when there's so much more outside of work? So that took me on this trip of trying to figure out what do I want to do? What is my purpose? What does life want out of me? I found the Human Potential Coaching Institute. I had no intentions of coaching at that stage, uh, but I signed up for it because I wanted to upgrade my mind, my body. I wanted to be healthy. I did biohacking. I did Wim Hof Method. I did all of this stuff. But what really was the critical piece in that training was a mindfulness training. It was a mindfulness mm-hmm based um, stress reduction training, John Kabat-Zinn style. And that's when my brain lit up and I said, oh, I have it all backwards. I need to first figure out how to be present and, and, and control my emotions and my experiences and my reaction. And then all of a sudden um, it led into this idea for for an hustle because I felt that the worst possible advice given back then to entrepreneurs was to hustle all the time. And I know what it did to me. And so I went in the opposite direction and I set up the unhustle movement as I call it. So let's dig into that. You say that we live in a world addicted to hustle, whether it's entrepreneurs or otherwise, we are all addicted to hustle. And, and, and you say that on hustle is a superpower, which I completely agree with, but let's unpack that. Talk a little bit more about how we have become addicted to the hustle and perhaps why, and then what unhustle means and why it's a superpower and then maybe how we can all what are steps we can take to get there yeah sure i mean that's a great question jen i think we we know by now how we ended up with the 40-hour work week right mm-hmm. we, we know it, it came where it came from that it was a henry ford invention yeah. reality he created it to to maximize the shifts in the factory. And for some reason, we're no longer going to factories, yet we're still on the same model. Uh, What was really interesting to me when the pandemic happened is that there was, I feel like that I saw so many, because I started on Hustle before before the pandemic in 2018. And all of a sudden when the pandemic hit, um, I became numb because I I was like, wow, this is going to be an incredible opportunity for so many people, A, to work from home, B, to be more in control of their schedules, and C, it's going to be an eye-opening scenario for companies to see that they can trust employees. Back to how we became addicted to this hustle thing, um, you know, I honestly think it's a combination of history, it's a combination of biology and what we find um we find happiness in how society describes what success looks like mm. and what we really continue to chase, um, especially in the Western world. You know, I'm com- coming from Europe. I spend a lot of time reconnecting with my childhood values. And, you know, in Europe, uh, there's a little bit slightly different mentality. You know, my husband's Australian, so they have a slightly different mentality. And um, I, I feel like I, I don't want to single the U.S. out because there are other countries suffering from the same. You know, we know that Japan has a word, Karoshi, which yeah. is dead by overwork. Well, it turns out in my research that in America, we work longer hours than, in, than Japanese do. Hmm. And so where does it come from? 
you know, is it partly capitalism? Is it partly um, this this great um, American dream that we all try to, to pursue and, and chase? But but it's also um, a bit of a safe place, I feel like, for, for many of us. It also has to do with some societal, I think, um, changes like we saw in the um, the millennials being the burnout generation, the book by Ann Peterson, how, you know, when millennials come out of school these days, they have huge student death and they need to prove themselves and get a job. And, and so they end up working a lot of hours. But I feel like we can change this hustle culture into a lot more human culture. And I think that's our next step. I see this as the next solution really for what's going on here with, with great resignation and the war for talent and remote work and hybrid work and all these things that are coming up on the surface right now. I feel like introducing a little bit more humanity in the workplace will do wonders um, and it'll actually impact the bottom line of organizations as we're seeing with all this research, you know, anything from what Ariana Huffington is doing, you know, your book, all of this latest research shows that well-being really can impact companies' bottom line in a, very, in a positive way. You know, I've been reading about anxiety and mental health and all mm-hmm. these things and burnout and how we're, we're killing ourselves um, for all the wrong reasons. A lot of what the hustle is, is actually life work redesign. I feel like the terms work-life balance are not really accurate or exist work-life integration anything that starts with work to me needs to be turned around to life work redesign because um first figure out your emotions your mental state your well-being you know your time off your creativity through hobbies and um and your mindfulness practices, how you can get into flow, and then figure out the work that would support that lifestyle. We actually have the opportunity to to do this now with remote work. When I started doing it uh, and working from my Airstream for months at a time from Baja, you know, with limited internet, these opportunities weren't there. So right now, there's a lot of uh, choices that people can make to create a lifestyle that is psychologically rich with the experiences and the perspectives and the, and the rest time included in it. And maybe not strive as much for having the big five bedroom house when a three bedroom house will be sufficient. So I love this concept of kind of flipping the, the language around work life balance, integration, rhythm, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> to life work. And and I might actually suggest we push ourselves a little further even on that to say it's, it's just life and having a meaningful career as a piece of that life, um, if that's what you choose and if that's what's important to you. Um, but, you know, I, I have always kind of struggled myself with whether or not it's work life or life work. Um, it feels like we're still pinning the two against each other in some way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it was Richard Branson that said, "Yeah, it's not life or work; it's all it's all life." But <laughs> I don't want to yep. just say it's all life because then the work the work part to me it's very meaningful. I think it, it's part of a complete life. I think mm-hmm. when we put a hundred percent of our focus on work is when we get in trouble and and um, it, we get into these anxious times and, and um, mental health problems, not to say that it's all work-related, 
but I feel like you're absolutely right. It's all life. And realizing that from a company perspective is difficult because companies are there to work. And I speak with a lot of um, leaders uh, who are find themselves, and especially right now with what's going on, I, I tell people I'm burned out from re- reading about burnout and leaders, <laughs> especially <laughs> on on that, um, it's really difficult for them to um, to figure out how to take care of their employees, right? And how to and where to draw the line between wh- what is enough is enough in terms of work and and how to take care of their employees the right way. So I feel like a, p- a part of this equation also falls on on each individual person to decide how to take care of themselves, right? I, I feel I don't think it's very fair to say, oh, it's all it's all on the company. What do you think about it? I, I completely agree. I mean, look, we we all have individual agency for our own well-being and what we allow and and what we don't allow and and the boundaries that that we want to set. And you know, I I think you and I have spoken previously about boundaries. And you know, what I find interesting is that we we lock up our things, we lock up our homes, we lock up our cars. You know, we protect our things, but when it comes to protecting our own personal well-being, we we unlock the doors, we open all the windows, and we say, you know, come in at any time <laughs> and take what you want, right? right, um, right. And 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 but and then we also, you know, especially in the workplace, tend to get frustrated with others um, when we feel like our boundaries are overrun. But oftentimes, what I have found is that when somebody overruns my boundaries, they're not just you know, not a nice person or don't care, it's because I haven't actually communicated it. As you said, you know, it's it's about humanity and bringing that back into the workplace and having a conversation and having dialogue about what what works for everyone, um, which it, it doesn't take a lot of money, certainly, and it doesn't often take a lot of time just to have those conversations. But, you know, as I listen to you talk, I mean, and, and you know this because you and I had a chance to catch up, but like, I've definitely been a victim of the hustle mentality. My whole backstory of becoming the chief well-being officer um, is, is, you know, rooted in burnout and in many ways. But I, I remember at that time for myself that I wasn't, I don't know that I wasn't aware of what was happening until it was too late, but I wasn't willing to admit it to myself because admitting, you know, that I needed to take a step back or that perhaps I was burning out, um, felt like failure to me. Right. And so, I, what would you say to somebody? What are some of the the signs, the red flags of a hustle lifestyle that that ultimately kind of leads to burnout? What should we be aware of in in ourselves and and quite frankly in in others and our colleagues and our family and our friends? Yeah, thank for that. Thank you for that, Jen. I feel like having that mindfulness and awareness piece is key in being able to recognize when you start going downhill on that road because if you are putting your well-being or your exercise or your family not just once but on an ongoing basis after work in terms of priorities then eventually you end up burner right I, I see your exercise on instagram all the time and i know <laughs> you're very committed to your exercise and i applaud you for it because we can get into 
especially as from a, I have this entrepreneurial mindset, a lot of leaders do, whether you work for yourself or you work for a bigger company, we're overachievers, right? Type A personality. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, that, and, that, and it feels good. It drives us. Obviously, there's neurochemicals um, that go with that whole process. And so to me, if you start going, if, you, if, if all you do and all you think about and all, you, all you're focused on, you, all your energy is work, and we know a lot of business leaders are that way, eventually you would start uh, missing some things in life or suffering from certain things in life. And, I mean, even p- people like Elon Musk admit to this. So what are some of the signs to watch for? I would say if you're, if you all you do is think about work and nothing else, if you're considering, a, a, if you're looking at rest time as not adding to your productivity but rather subtracting from it. I think a lot of us, you know, when we think about rest time, we think about, you know, laying on the couch, taking a nap, and all these things are great. But because I spent a lot of time researching about flow and being able to to maintain that flow on a 24-hour basis, I feel like we're missing having exciting time off. And when you have something that's exciting, this is where kiteboarding really helped me realize <laughs> I was very excited about going kiteboarding and it was my reward for putting in a good day work, but it focuses your energy and flow drives more flow, right? So instead of de- dealing with the errands and, and um, paying the bills and, and making up for, um, I don't know, um, having some kind of creative hobby can actually really help you maintain that focus and and awareness and creativity so not having that would tell me that all you're doing is focused on work yeah (laughs) I, 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 i think a lot of times we get into trouble when we uh you know, we're anxious and worry and nervous and we look at this as I'm going to go get a, um, I'm going to go into a yoga class, which I used to do, right? I used to go to yoga, but I'm still thinking about work. So bottom line is doing something that switches your brain off from work would be the best thing you can do. Yeah. And, and, and that in, in a lot of ways is, you know, one of the reasons that, that I exercise, I often say that my exercise is, you know, I, I get the physical health benefits of it as a side effect, but I do it much more for my mental health. But it is one of the only times that um, I am find myself fully kind of in the moment focused on what I'm doing because it requires that focus, right? And so if you <laughs> if you're lifting weights and you're thinking about work, um, that can be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's great because I I tried to meditate for years, you know, on and off, on and off. I didn't get it. It wasn't until I realize that you can sit comfortably. You don't have to be cross-legged on the floor with a cushion and a scented candle, but you can actually sit comfortably and close your eyes and just focus on your breathing when I was able to, to have more of a consistent meditation practice. But nowadays, instead of, I do that, but I also try to just be a lot more intentional throughout the day. So regardless of what I'm doing, I just try to be more intentional and mm. more um, and more present, regardless of what I'm doing. You can be doing the dishes. I can 
you know, walk the dog or work, you just, you do one thing at a time and you, and you do it well and then you focus on the next thing. I think where we get caught up is in a lot of distractions, whether we're working or we're in our lives. And like you were saying with, with exercise, I see so many people exercising while they're listening to a podcast or, you know, listening to a book. And to me, that's two different things. So when I go for a walk, I just go for a walk. And Mm. that's, I think, the piece we're really missing these days is time alone with our thoughts. Whether you're meditating or doing some kind of mindfulness, it's just being with your own thoughts. And and a lot of what Unhustle is about is, you know, finding that time to be, to just be with your own thoughts and, and acknowledge the feelings and the emotions that are running through you and accept them. Because a lot of what we were talking about earlier with regards to boundaries, I feel like it's fear, right? It's fear to push back. It's it's fear not to be people pleaser. It's fear not to be helpful and of service to other people um, or certain other emotions. But being aware of these emotions is really the key to to asking yourself why you're feeling this and and what are the, really the consequences and the repercussions. So time alone, I almost want to say this, you know instead of FOMO, JOMO, but I'm also thinking these days it's JOBA and JOBA is joy of being alone. I just mm. made that up. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just time alone, whether you're, and we just, we're missing, we're so inundated with, you know, whether it's information or emails or messages or great podcasts we all want to listen to and, and learn and stay on top of things. And I just feel like we're missing this old, really ancient practice of doing nothing. We just yeah. don't ever do it. And you know how uh, time off uh, with John and Max, they're kind of yes. along the same lines, right? With rest ethic being just as important to work ethic and all the science behind that. Well, it's it's. I think that's what mindfulness and meditation really is trying to teach us. It's just being without thought has a lot of value to being a, a better leader, to not falling into into anxiety traps, to not get falling into even if into distractions, because you can gain the clarity to say, what are the most absolute important things to do I need to do today? And then just do them one by one, right? It's just being more intentional with, with your life and with work. So what are your strategies? I mean, you talked about kind of your your um, digital detox that perhaps wasn't by design, <laughs> but you Default. had no choice. <laughs> what are your strategies now to kind of gain control over the distraction of technology and kind of how ubiquitous it is in really every aspect of our life and the impact that it's, you know, we know that it's having on all of us, but we somehow, you know, can't seem to use that, that, that little slice of, of, of self-control that we have to, <laughs> to step away from, from, you know, the, the, the world that is sucking us into our technology constantly. Yeah. I have a completely different attitude about things these days. And, and I've used a lot of apps and, and I've used tech to protect my focus and, and my attention. Uh, to me, the people who learn how to control their focus in the future would be the ones who be able to win at work and mm. have a, a meaningful life. Um, I also have morning rituals, which I refer to as the unhustle morning with the sunrise method, where 
I uh, go to run through a certain rituals every morning, depending on how my energy is and, and how my day is planning out. But sunrise stands for S stands for sleep and getting sunlight in the morning so you can improve your sleep. Obviously, science uh, leads to that uh, direction that uh, increasing your melatonin in, in the morning can help you have better sleep at night. So really um, having a good morning a good morning uh, ritual start the evening before, right? So if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not, I don't feel as focused and I don't have as much clarity. So sleep is a really important part to me and obviously not getting attached to my uh, phone or my computer late at night. So I have a cutoff time at about five o'clock. The dog actually barks at me if I continue to work after five, so I can't. <laughs> and my husband... He doesn't bark, but he's not happy. So, <laughs> uh, so I disconnect from phones and I just put my phone away. And I don't touch it until after my morning rituals, which sometimes could be a problem because I don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't look at my emails. Um, so the Sunrise Method, uh, U stands for unplug, starting your day unplugged and, and doing you know 60 to 90 minutes of deep work in the morning. N stands for time in nature. This is where I practice my gratitude, you know, my mindfulness practices while I walk the dog. Sometimes I, I do some movement in nature just to get my body moving. R is for reading and writing. There's a lot of science that points how to how reading and writing can put you in a better mood, release stress, uh, and um, it's good for your creativity. So whether it's just a little bit of journaling or reading, um, reading a, a, a page, of a book which currently I'm reading yours thank you so much it's a, it's a great <laughs> that's it's a great awesome. book yeah I love it and um eyes for intentions you know ideally I set my intentions for the day the day before but I reconfirm my intentions because things might have changed in my mind or what I want to do and I I try to focus to three to five things each day S is for stillness. That's the, that's the mindfulness and meditation part. To be honest with you, I would take breaks throughout the day to to calm down and, and to reset my attention. So I would do like little, little mini meditations or just you know a sixty second reset, or a little bit of breathing practice. And then um, E is for energy, and that's your movement, cold showers, bulletproof coffees. So I pick and choose from these morning rituals, but ideally I don't start working until my mind and body are fully ready um, to work and get into that deep work. The days that I don't do it, I definitely feel the effect. Now, mm -hmm. am I perfect every morning with this? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> they're the great things to strive for, but uh, they don't always happen. In terms of managing technology, I have completely restructured my, my phone notifications so that... Um, I don't get a lot of them, um, mm -hmm. and I, I have very limited um, notifications on my phone. I have um, an app that controls when I can get into my emails, and it kind of locks me out of emails, which could be annoying at the same time because so <laughs> much of us leads back to our emails, but, you know, it's, the opportunity is there. And I try to do one thing at a time. You know, I know having multiple tabs is how we all work these days, but limiting the amount of tabs really helps you control from a neuroscience perspective. It helps you control your attention. The minute you have a lot of tabs or your email open, uh, our human brain just wants to check what's going on. So doing anything possible to limit 
the notifications and the distractions from that perspective uh, has helped me have a little bit more uh, focused attention. You know, it's it's hard though; it's an ongoing battle. So I need to I need to hear more about this app that locks you out of your email. I think I would just I would do everything in my power to override it, or I would end up just deleting it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, but you can set schedules. So you can set, say, okay, I want to be able to get into my inbox from, let's say, 9 till 9.30 and then again from 3 till 3.30. The problem I find with the app is that now everything links back to your email and sometimes you're like, what was that link in my email, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's not, it's not that easy, but um, uh, I try to do it, let's say, from 7 in the morning till 10 in the morning, if I don't have any meetings, which I try not to schedule any meetings in the morning and do my most creative and deep work in the morning is, okay, I don't need to get in my inbox knowing that I don't have any meetings, that I don't need to respond to anybody. Sometimes I, you can over, you know, I have to override it and you can do that easily, but it's definitely, it goes back to that mindfulness thing, right? Why do you want to override and right. being aware of the action and, and what other behavior can you do Instead of that, so I can go and, and get more tea or coffee or, you know, have a have breakfast and and it's, so it's just being aware of um of of the behavior and the habit that you're trying to break. Yeah, and in that moment when you're getting ready to do the override, kind of pausing and saying, "Why am I overriding this?" <laughs> yeah, it actually comes. It's great. It comes with like a fifteen. You can set up. It comes with a fifteen seconds wait time before it lets you in the email to really give you a chance to say, okay, do you really want to be in your inbox? Because <laughs> I know that once I'm in the inbox, it's it's at least 30 minutes, yeah. right? Um, and this is the problem that I think a lot of people in the workplace right now are dealing with. It's basically meetings and emails and messages. And how do we, I was actually speaking to somebody who said, I'm in 25 meetings in a week. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. when, do you, when do you do your work? I mean, how do you do your work? And she, she says, like, I'm multitasking while I'm I'm in meetings. Well, then you're not in a meeting and you're not really working, right? And I think that kind of behavior is what we need to, to start changing. Do we really need all these meetings? Do we really need to be 60 minutes? I mean, obviously, I'd love to hear what you think about that. How do we change culture? The first thing I would say is, do you, do you think that, the pandemic help that or hurt that? <laughs> oh, I think we had more meetings. What do you What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think we. I think in a lot of ways, we you know essentially replaced a, what was kind of a historically more in person world with you know just a digital world without stepping back to think about. Um, you know, does this actually need to be a meeting? Does everybody actually need to be on video for this meeting? Um, you know, my view is if you are sharing content or slides, having everybody on video isn't all that useful because it's leading to burnout for them. Um, most of the time, I think people um, you know, are looking at themselves or others and not paying attention to the content, but also everybody's the size of a thumbnail, <laughs> you know, and so it's not like you can really see or gather anything from those interactions if there's content being shared. I do think, you know, for small group interactions or one-on-one -on -one interactions, you know, if you aren't in person, sometimes using video can be good. But I will tell you in my own experiences, some of the most deep, meaningful conversations that I've had during the pandemic with people haven't haven't included video. But I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, 
during the pandemic, um, especially for me and others uh, in the early days, and you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, I mean, I think we were overworking even more because it felt safe and comfortable for those of us that were fortunate enough to still be employed, right? It felt like something we could control in a world that was completely out of control. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, you know, but then we all started feeling <laughs> the the impact, the fatigue from that, right? And uh, amongst other things. And so I, I think we're at a really pivotal moment to say we have the opportunity to to change work in a really positive way and to take forward what works well, because I think there are things that came forward in the pandemic that I would like to hold on to related to authenticity and vulnerability and asking for what we need and kind of speaking openly, conversations around mental health. I mean, I think all of those have seen really positive um, advancements during the pandemic, but also, so what do we want to take forward and, and what do we want to, what do we want to leave back behind um, and, and think about and do differently? Um, I think meetings in general need a complete overhaul, uh, especially if they're virtual meetings, because I think, you know, virtual meetings, um, it's very easy to over invite um, people to just so that they won't feel FOMO. <laughs> um, but, you know, letting people off the hook to say you don't need to feel FOMO, we'll send you the notes or you can listen to the recording if or if there's a to do for you, we'll just let you know what it is. Um, but you don't need to attend kind of the, the hour long meeting or the 30 minute meeting. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there um, to, to use technology differently and to rethink the way that we're working. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jen, you wrote the book on, on relationships, you know, the, the, the power of strong relationships in the yeah. workplace. And that's the one thing I feel like with all this remote work is the one thing that's really missing, right? Yeah. Than, and, and when I look at, at companies that are going on five-hour workday or four-day work week, I feel like that's the one thing that will suffer. So how do we... Re how do we continue this humanity in the workplace and, and having friends and having the social aspect yet minimizing the amount of hours that we work so we have more time for family, more time for, for hobbies, more time for for exercise? I think that's, uh, that's, that's what your book is addressing, which is great. Yep. So, and I think, um, you know, relationships in, you know, in the workplace, that in large part is what gives work meaning, you know, it's why, you know, the people that we work with and having, you know, a few good friends at work is, you know, makes it, you know, makes it more exciting to, to log on each day. <laughs> um, and so, and, and it's also what makes us human. So, um, you know, computers don't need to be friends with each other. They don't need to have you know, relationships, I guess, and well, in some way they do, um, <laughs> but not in the way that human beings do. And so I think that that's a component of the workplace that um, certainly needs to uh, have much more attention and focus as we as we move forward. So but let's talk about um, kind of the flip side of this. So, you know, people have been working longer hours, kind of more um, attached to their technology during the pandemic, which in some ways I think has kind of fueled the hustle, fueled burnout. But but do you think it's also on the flip side benefited the unhustle movement in some way because it's created a different type of awareness? Absolutely. And what I would say is that I feel like 
at, at I wrote an article at the early days of the pandemic about um, can the pandemic kill hustle, hustle culture? I'm not sure if I published it. Um, I started working on my book, Jen, and I got I got so deep into it that I feel like I need to start publishing more articles. Um, but I do feel that it brought a lot more awareness to an awakening to people to realize that the way we're currently working isn't working. The way we've currently structured our lives isn't working. I have people reaching out to me from, it's interesting, it's from all over the world, really. Um, people in the Unhustle community are from, from any place of the world from India and Australia and, and New Zealand and a lot of people from Europe, uh, Canada. And so I know it's just not, it's not just a problem in the US. Um, the, the challenges are, are very similar across the board. Sometimes I see posts on, on social media, especially on LinkedIn, about how the Europeans have, have it figured out. And it's really not the case. Um, they may have slightly different mentality and, and a different approach to work and life, but um, at the same time, I feel like it's they're still struggling. And so, has it brought? Has it been good for an hustle? Um, in a way, I feel like it's it has made it a lot more approachable and relatable. And yet, people are still um afraid or don't really know how to go down that road or um you know and a lot of people who lost their jobs obviously they, they want to hustle they don't want to unhustle so so um uh, the point with unhustle is not to really stop working but rather to to live and and work more mindful more mindfully with with more authenticity with more courage with more purpose and create a life and work that that fills you up and energizes you and, and, and fulfills you so that you can um, show up every day feeling your best and, and doing your best. And a lot of people crave that. They're not quite sure how to get there. So, so let's go there. If you could go back in time and give your hustle self some advice, what would that be? Yeah, I think that's really, it comes down to these seven really simple principles that I shared at Wisdom 2.0, right? And, and to me there, um, one is unlearn, unlearn and relearn. Um, unlearning that the way we're working isn't working. Unlearning that 70 hours a week is, is the way to go about it. Unlearning and redefining what success really means for each one of us. A lot of it is about redefining success. And, um, and, and what, is, what is success for you? Because it's not all about one-sided in terms of salaries and titles and promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is, you know, the unplugging part, which is taking a little bit of time to, to be without technology and, and to, to find that joy, inner joy and inner freedom uh, and, and inside you as opposed to constantly trying to look for gratifications in, in, um, on social media or on on email, um, unth- unthinking, um, that's part of like rewiring your brain um, and realizing that there's a huge hard, hard brain connection. And so tapping into, into your heart and into your gut, um, tapping into your intuition, that's, that's a little bit the work of Joe Dispenza and mm. how you can um, rewire your, your bad habits, um, the, the ones that have been habitual, anything with you know grabbing your phone first thing in the morning 
to um, to how you exercise or how you look at at work. You know, all of that rewiring is completely doable. You know, and the the easiest thing to do that would be like with a gratitude practice. You know, twenty one day gratitude practice has shown right. to rewire your brain. Um, uncomplicating that's really uh, a little bit of simplicity adding a little bit of simplicity in in your home in, in your work um, you know my journey started with with reorganizing my closet and realizing <laughs> that I don't need all these clothes and just making things real simple and then we went on a two-year journey to go to the whole house and and remove all the things that weighted us down and, and added to our hectic life instead of adding value to our days so our you know we went down on a big simplicity journey and and i've seen how much more time and space and calm it adds to your life not to not necessarily minimalistic but but just um, asking yourself you know do you really need this and, and is it adding or subtracting from your days and then um, other things are unwinding which is where you you play a big part you know taking care of uh, of your well-being mind body and so I, uh, I've ex- done so many experiments with my own body. You know, I told you anything from biohacking and cold showers and swims in the lake and, and breath work um, and diet. I mean, I, I suffered for 20 years. I suffered from digestive problems and uh, I realized that I can, I took control of it. I, I went to Western Eastern doctors and no one could really help me. And I finally figured out how to, um, heal my body and a lot of this I think had to do with being able to manage my stress levels so yeah going back to you know mind over matter kind of thing and mindfulness and all that stuff but um I continue to experiment Jen and I would go it's crazy what I do but I would go a week eating bacon and ice cream and not exercising but meditating and then the next week I'm on green juice and and you know cleansing which is not the healthiest thing to do but I want to see what can I can I just pay attention to my mind and not worry about my body? And the answer is no. Don't do that at home. It's not the smartest thing you can do. Uh, but um, also just experimenting and seeing what works and what doesn't. And I go through you know different techniques and practices. And I start doing qigong instead of hard work exercises because for Taipei people, it's it's a uh, it's a lot easier to do a hardcore heat workout, um, but it's slow. It's it's harder to do a slow movement. So that's what helped me kind of slow down in my days. And then I would go to days when I do need the heat workout. So again, just listening to your energy and your body. But bottom line is, how are you in, how are you maintaining and sustaining your energy as opposed to just doing what everybody says it's the right thing to do? You know, learning what works for you. Yeah, that's that's the most important and also the, the the most difficult. So perhaps not in the spirit of unhustle, but uh, what's next for the unhustle movement? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great when you uh, when you start settling down a little bit and, and clearing your energy. I'm working on the book. I'm I'm uh, really hoping to um, wrap it up in the next twenty days and send it to to my editor. So I'm excited for that. Thank you. That's a, that's a big milestone. <laughs> it's a really big milestone. I'm still neck deep into it because all this new research keeps coming up and things change, especially in this space. But at some yeah. point in time, I'm going to have to send it out. Um, so I'm excited about that. I want to continue to um, get more people um, connected with like-minded people. I do that with the Unhustle community. And in there, we invite people um, like yourself as guest speakers and presenters, but we also do day-to-day things that help people out because a lot of people 
what you asked me a few times, like, what are the practices, you know, what, are, how do we put this into, into practice? And that's exactly what people want to know. How do I make this realistic? So we do challenges on a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis. Last week was on, last month was on digital well-being. So we did like a seven, seven day digital well-being challenge. Um, this year, this month is on hyper focus and we also do book reviews. So we, you know, time off is on this month's book lists. And we also have uh, hours where we dedicate for deep work. So a couple of hours um, each week on deep work. Um, basically, a lot of hustle where it's going is more towards tapping into finding your flow and, and figuring out that highly optimized life and work situation. And so I'm going to continue to, I, I want to restart my podcast, which I put on hold so I can focus on the book. And um, I, I feel so grateful for all the people that are reaching for, to me from from all over the world and saying how much it, right, the message resonates with them and, and how much this is needed in the workplace. And that's what fills me up. Um, and I also have an eight-week program for leaders and entrepreneurs to take them through this whole journey and, and hopefully they can um, make the changes that I made in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Make them faster, right? <laughs> Make them faster. So that's kind of what's what's on the books for us. <laughs> well, 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 all of it sounds great. Um, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for all that you shared with our listeners. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm very grateful for you for having me. Thank you. I'm so grateful Malena could be with us today to talk about the Unhustle movement. Thank you to our producers, Rivet360, and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com, or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword WorkWell, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.